Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, you came with the right Sunday. We are starting a series called The Greatest Story Ever Told. And I don't know if you know this, but at the Movement Church, we kind of like Christmas. And uh, there's something magical about it. And I'm not ashamed to say that either as a grown man. There's just something magical. Like there, for some reason, if you're, if you're willing, you just, maybe like the Grinch, our heart grows a little bit, I think. And God just kind of... I don't know, it's as if it's kind of a significant moment in history that we're celebrating. <laughs> and uh, thank you for that laughter. That was a little bit sarcastic. And We just want to take a moment over the next few weeks and kind of unpack some components of that story and, and really kind of see what God can do in our lives. Um, before I, I go into it, I want to tell you, for those of you who were not with us last week, we, we took our Give Hope offering. We do this every year. We're going to give you an opportunity for those of you that were not here to be a part of that at the end of the service. So just a little heads up, a little spoiler alert. But I want to take a, a moment today to dive in. And, and there's a couple things I, I would ask. And, and that is uh, that you're in this journey with us, right? And so for the next three weeks, we're going to unpack different components of the Christmas story that we're pulling from Luke chapter 2. As a kid, my dad literally, he was like, listen, I, if you want X for Christmas, you've got to memorize Luke 2. And so we literally every year memorize it. I can quote it from heart, but we're going to unpack some of the characters in this. And seeing as there is something magical about what happens at Christmas time, I want to challenge you with three things in particular in relation to this series. So everybody say number one. Number one, be here. I want to just challenge you. Thank you for saying it with me. Be here. So be at church. And I, listen, I know things come up or maybe you have plans or travel arrangements. I'm not saying change your travel arrangements. I'm just saying don't let other excuses come up because I think God wants to take all of us on a journey over the next few weeks. Number two, everybody say number two. Be open. And I want to challenge you literally to just be open. You know, often we overcomplicate what God can and wants to do in our life. And I think sometimes because we see the enormity of the challenges and the problems that we have or that we face, and so then we think there's so much going on in our world that it seems almost impossible that God can do anything, but really, He just wants us to be open. So when you come to church, don't just push, punch the church clock, so to speak, but be open to what God can and wants to do or say in your life in the journey. And number three, everybody say number three. Number three. Be a bringer. Be a bringer. Don't just invite your friends. Bring your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Like I said, there's something that takes place around Christmas time that people are just a little bit more open to the things of God, a little bit more open to what God wants to do. And it, regardless of how they say that, because in, in holidays, and you know this, it elicits and it stirs up a myriad of emotions for all of us. For some, it's like giddy like a school child, excited and, and, and almost to a point of naivety. And it's this super overzealous joy that happens. And for others, it's, it's packaged up in pain or hurt or heartache. It's a reminder of what we don't have, what we haven't accomplished or for some who's not going to be here this Christmas. And so all of those people 
from either side of the spectrum and everyone in between, man, I think God wants to do something. So be here, be open, and be a bringer. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're in this place right now. We thank you that you're doing something miraculous. God, we would use phrases like magical, but you do the miraculous. So I just pray today that for all of us, all that have walked in here that are in the greatest season of life, to those of us that have walked in experiencing crazy challenges or reminders of what isn't happening or whatever it might be, I just pray, God, that today that you would do something in our life and speak to us, move in us, and God, just do something amazing. We open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. We give you the permission, God, to rearrange the proverbial furniture of our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Can y'all do me a huge favor? Would y'all give it up for our amazing worship team? Come on, and our tech team. And we have one of the best worship teams on the planet. And Brand new songs. I love Christmas, and, and it's hard to find Christmas songs that you can actually worship to, and they did a great job with that. But we're going to dive into this story, and we're going to unpack the, some of the chief characters of the Christmas story. And today I'm going to be reading specifically from Luke chapter 1. So it'll be on the screens if you didn't bring your Bible. If you'd like to follow along, you can text the word notes to the number that usually is on the screen. If it's not there, it's on there. It's there. And you can follow along. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through like 38. And we're going to break this up and just talk about it. Is that cool? Man, I, I just, man, there's something about, I, all right, let me just take a breath. Here we go. So I'm just going to take off the pastor hat for a moment and just be carried. Is that cool for a second? You don't have an option because I, I have the microphone. Sometimes it's overwhelming to preach to you. Do you know that? Like, I see all your staring faces. You're gorgeous. All of you look exceptionally beautiful. One of you don't, but I'm not going to point you out. And, and, and you just, you, you're, you're intelligent, you're brilliant, and you come eager and ready to hear. And it's overwhelming. Like, what if I don't, what if I only hit a base hit and not a home run? And I don't even hit a triple or a double. It's just like a first base. And you guys leave like, eh. So today, I just don't feel like preaching. I, and that, you don't have an option. I, I'm just going to kind of talk and just, I, I spent probably two weeks reading through this story and I, I love the Bible. I love to read it and study it. And I spent a lot of time studying it. And, and some of you might be thinking, man, that's a bad sign because you're not really good at this. Some of you are like, man, I can totally see it. But regardless, I just want to talk. Can we do that today? Okay, great. You don't have an option. So I want to unpack Luke chapter 1 for you and, and, and just kind of one of the chief characters. And so it'll be on the screen. So check this out. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Everybody say from God. From God. Was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Everybody say Nazareth. Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed, betrothed just means that it was like an engagement, but in those custom times, this was a legitimate engagement, like there was probably a trading of goods in, in place for this marriage vow, if you will, and, and if you were to break this betrothal by being involved with someone else other than that which you were betrothed to, literally the punishment was death by stoning, not like this, that'd be a different kind of death, where they just like, they pummel you with stones until you die 
die. And so this was a serious deal. So the angel Gabriel was sent to Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was, everybody say, Joseph. Now, all of this is a buildup to one of the chief characters of our story. And in this first verse, there's literally like 87 statements, and we don't even know who the angel's going to yet. We know what city, what town. We know that it's an angel, and it's from God, and it's going to a, a guy named Joseph who someone is engaged to. And listen, now we start to get his lineage. He's of the house of David, and the virgin's name, oh, I guess now we should probably say who the character is. Anybody ever read the Bible and go, why did they say it this way? Anyone? The rest of you are liars or you haven't read the Bible. And it says he was sent to the house of David and the virgin's name was, everybody say that name? Mary. Mary. So in the beginning of any story, they're introduced to chief characters. And they begin to expand on and unpack who is in this story. And we're introduced to two of the chief characters, uh, Joseph and Mary, but what's interesting is they go into great depth with Joseph. They talk about his lineage, they talk about his heritage, and this was common in biblical times because the child would be named after the father and he would be considered of the house and lineage and heritage of the father. But what I love about this story is who does God send the angel to? Mary. He doesn't send the angel to Joseph. The big bad man in the house, the one represent Joseph, he sends the angel to Mary. And by man's evaluation, especially in biblical times, Mary was most likely the most unlikely person to be chosen as the mother of the Messiah. This has been a prophecy in the making for thousands of years. In the Jewish culture, they've been waiting for this Messiah for millennia, plural. And he sends the angel to the most unlikely of people. And my friends, that is exactly how God works. He works through unlikely situations. Man sees the outward appearance, but God sees what's intrinsically placed. He sees his creation. Man looks on the outward and says, man, if the Messiah is to come, it should be born to a king or to royalty. But God chose something completely different. God sees the hidden abilities and the surrender in a person. And then God says, man, I can work with her. I can work with him. I just wonder how often you might discredit or disqualify yourself. Think maybe maybe somebody else is better applicable for this role or for that. And I just think the story starts off where God's saying, no, 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 I chose you. And look how he greets her. The angel shows up, and I'm just going to tell you, this would be freaky. If you got visited by an angel and you came and told us, we would immediately start to question your character, wouldn't we? Hallelujah. That was a good noise. This is a little bit freaky. The angel shows up, and so how does he greet Mary, who, by the way, was probably historically between the ages of 14 and 16? (laughs) Right? Now, today, that'd be really creepy, right? Who is this Joseph? And let's put him in jail right now, (laughs) right? The angel shows up, and listen to how he greets her. He says, and the angel came to her, and he says, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. 
Greetings, O favored one. And right here, entire denominations of Christian faith have been founded upon the precipice of this verse because of the word favored one, which in many definitions can mean endowed with special advantages or gifts, as if to say this something about Mary that is completely different than any other human to ever walk the face of the earth. Or it could mean providing preferential treatment as if Mary was a favor. But the word favored here doesn't mean that she had something that, that, that was special, unique to her, and no other human ever before or after would be like her. Actually, what that meant by the word favored is just the gift of grace. It literally means one to which God gives his grace. And this is exactly what God did to Mary. It's what he does for you and for me. He just gives his grace. He says, man, you, Mary, you're, you're unique because I created you and I've given you a grace to carry the gift of the Messiah. And God's still doing that for you and for me today. In fact, John 1.16 says this. For from his fullness, we have received grace. Look at that, upon grace. Mary was favored with grace. Grace was bestowed to her. It was given to her by God. But listen, it was not just any grace. It was an unmerited, unending, unlimited grace. Like the unending waves that begin to beat on the shore that just never end. Can any of you just go and sit and stare at the ocean for hours? And it's like you just keep watching the waves and they just keep coming and they just keep coming. And it's like the most exciting thing to watch for me at least. I have a boring life. No, I don't. It's exciting. And that's exactly what God's grace is like. It just doesn't ever end. Never-ending, unyielding, unwavering grace. And that's what God gave to Mary, and that's what God gives to us. And what's exciting is Mary was favored with grace, and she carried God's gift of grace for all humanity. It's kind of an exciting component. But what's true and, and also unique about this is that God actually does have favorites. And some of you immediately, when I say that, you're like, I can get that. Because I feel like I don't belong on that list. I can see, you know, have you ever been praying for something so desperately, believing for a miracle or something to happen in your life, and it seems like everyone else around you gets their prayers answered but you? And you're like, well, they must be God's favorite. Or you hear them pray, and the way that they pray, it's like, man, there's something about how they pray that I can hear the godliness come out of them, and I just don't have that. And so when I say a statement like God actually does have favorites. We go, yeah, I can get that because I know I'm not on that list. But the truth is you are God's favorite. You, you are. I often have people ask me, which one of your kids is my favorite? And I tell them instantly, Brooklyn. <laughs> Unless Avery's around. And I tell them Avery. Every night when I give them a kiss goodnight, I go in and I pray a specific prayer over them. And I put my hand on their head and I say, I love you with my whole heart. Have wonderful dreams and wonderful sleep. And hey, don't tell your sister, but you're my favorite. <laughs> and then I go in the other room to the other one. Have wonderful dreams and I pray a prayer. I put my hand on their head and I say, don't tell your sister. You are my favorite. <laughs> and it's true. They both are. And I don't like both of them, but they're both my. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Man, you're really God's favorite, like, like legitimately. You are. You're, you're God's favorite. Not too long ago, Megan was speaking at a women's conference in Canada, and I got to be her travel assistant, which is awesome. She would preach, and I would pat her brow down, and I would carry her Bible with her. And 
woman of God, right here. And I would walk around and scream, woman of God. And so we flew into the, <laughs> she made me. I don't know why, but she did. And uh, we flew in, it was in Ottawa, which is on the, I know if, for, if you're like me, Canada is just one big 51st state of the United States of America. And it's all the same. It's cold and, you know, they say A a lot. And so... So we were on the East Coast in Ottawa, which is directly above New York. And so when we were flying back, we had to connect anyways. And it was on their dimes. So we're like, let's stop in New York. <laughs> we had, that's not obviously how you say that. And so we, we stayed in New York. First time for both of us to ever go to the city that never sleeps. And it was amazing, man. Unbelievable. We're walking around like high on the hog. It's a southern term, meaning excited. And... Just having a blast, man. There's so many crazy things that happen. But I got a text from our guitar player, Matt. He's like, bro, I got a friend who has a restaurant right off Times Square. I was like, dude, hook us up. And I'm, if you know Matt, he plays guitar. You're like, I don't know if this is going to be good or not. I don't know. <laughs> this guy's kind of weird. And so he's like, I got you. Called my friend. He's got a spot for you, 10 p.m. I guess that's how they roll in New York. We were like asleep at 7.30 p.m. Anyway, so we're excited. But we happened to meet some friends in New York, too, and Went to the top of the rock and went through Times Square and did tourist things and took pictures and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, hey, I got reservations. I think it's with our guitar player. And uh, let's go check this out. And, and sure enough, we walked to this place that was about the size of this stage. It had about 482 people in it and another 300 out the line. And I was like, oh, man, I hope that Matt can pull through because I'm going to look like an idiot to my friends. And I walk in. I say, hey, my name's Carrie. And they say, oh, Mr. Robinson. I'm like, yeah, that's me. Matt, Matt, I love you. You're the best, Matt. <laughs> love you, Matt. Mr. Robinson, come on in, would you? How many do you, you have four with you? Oh, we only had two, but we'll kick somebody out. Come on in, please, sir. Follow me. And there's like people like shivering because it's so cold. I don't know why people live in cold states. And you can see breath out of nostrils, mouth, and even their ears. It was that cold. Down the sidewalk, and we walked squeezing through these people, and they, they literally moved someone. And we walk over this corner, and we sat down, and it was warm. And they, the, literally, the guy who's running the restaurant, what, what can we help you with? What would you like? And, and we sit and we stay there for two hours. This guy comes out on the piano and a trumpet and a clarinet. Not the same guy, a band. And they just played like just amazing music. It was dark and people were still out there lined up. And two hours later, i like, I'll take the check, please. And they brought it over and they comped the whole bill. I love Matt Gailey, by the way. <laughs> Mr. Robinson, is there anything else that we can do for you? No, I think we're actually, my shoes are a little dirty. Uh... And if you could go ahead and call Uber for us, that'd be awesome. And so and we get up and we walk out and we felt like royalty. And I kind of looked down my nose at the people in the line like, sorry, it was so good. Wish you could be in there. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's kind of how, how God works. Only some of you, you immediately identify with the people standing in line outside. But God's got a table reserved for you with your name on it. In fact, the Bible actually says that. He prepares a table for you with a feast, with a seat with your name on it. He had somebody from Instagram write your name really cool. <laughs> Just for you. You're God's favorite. If there was preferential treatment for anyone in humanity, then the scripture would negate itself. And there would have to be different exceptions, and Jesus would have to die one way for some and do something else for others. But in John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
that whosoever, whosoever, not the exceptionally smart, the brilliantly brilliant, the giftedly gifted, but you, his favorite, if you just believe, it's yours. And that's like the beauty of this story when the angel shows up to Mary, his favorite, and you too, and you too. And then look, he speaks to Mary, right? God speaks to Mary through the angel. Look at what happens in verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, for I have found, or you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Other translations say, peace be with you. Oh, highly favored one. Again, that just grace. Here's the thing. God wants to speak to us on a regular basis, not just at Christmas time, not just on Sunday mornings, but on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be audible where the clouds part and trumpets are played, but just sometimes in the stillness of an impression. And that can be overwhelming, but every time that God speaks, his travel companion is always peace. A lot of times we, we kind of insert what we think is God, but confusion is its travel companion and discouragement or frustration. And God's, when he speaks, his travel companion is always peace. And that's a great indicator of what I should do, because here's the question that we're going to build to, a little spoiler alert, and that is at the end of today, I'm just going to ask you, what are you going to do when God speaks to you? And so often that can be overwhelming or scary because here's Mary in the age between 14 and 16. Like, what do I do with this? And so we've talked about this before, but just worth taking notes, something, just a little sidebar, a little rabbit trail for you today. But when God begins to speak to you, I feel like God is doing something in you. There's three indicators that Megan and I use all the time for our own life. And that is this. If I don't have peace, it means no. It means no. If I don't have a peace, it means no. When we came to launch this church, I didn't hear audibly from God speak, go to Orange County and plant the movement church. I just had this peace on the inside, and that means this is right. God's doing this thing. If you don't have a peace, then it means no. If there's some confusion and you're not really sure, should I go left or right, then that means you need to wait. Don't go either direction. Just wait. But if you feel a peace, it means go. It's time. Take the step. Believe by faith that God's in it. Amen? When God speaks, his travel companion is always peace. So then the angel begins to deliver the message for what he actually arrived to say. He, he says, okay, now, now that I've kind of got the preliminaries out of the way, you've got grace. Just be at peace. I'm in this. He says, here is the promise. Verse 31, it says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Everybody say that with me. Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of God, the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. He's giving the promise, and what he's actually doing is quoting ancient prophecy. Prophecies that have been foretold that, that these people had heard read through scripture over and over, Sunday after Sunday, that this is what God was going to do. So the angel, when he's speaking to Mary, is rehearsing the promises of God that she had been waiting for. And the reason he's doing that, look at me for a moment, is because God always keeps his promises. Yeah. Always keeps 
his promises. So it's interesting, isn't it, that when he delivers the promise of what Mary's going to do, he does it through the lens of a former promise that he'd already given. He doesn't say something new. He says, oh, man, I told you. I done told you 2,000 years ago. I don't know why I said that. But here's the promise that I have for you. It's one of the reasons why the last Sunday of the year or the first Sunday of the year, depending on how it falls, we do what's called Believe Sunday. We write down prayer requests, and many of you received the ones that you filled out last year. We call them Believe Cards, and if you didn't receive them, it's okay. You're going to have an opportunity in just a few weeks to do this again, and we get to look back over the faithfulness of God. Because sometimes we forget or we fail to see what God is doing because we don't actually take time to write it down. So we send out the Believe Cards and say, hey, look, God has been faithful. So if you didn't get that yet, let us know. If you did, hey, if something happened, you wrote down a prayer request, would you tell us? We would love to capture your story and share it to build the faith of others. I know for a fact Jessica Parham is in our tech booth right now. Everyone give her a hug right after service. Almost every single prayer request that she wrote down, God was faithful to deliver. For us, there's only two. So God's obviously, she's more favorite than I am. So regardless, God always keeps his promises. So what are the promises that God has given you? What are the promises God's spoken to you? One of the things that God spoke to us when we, again, not audibly with the clouds part, but just kind of in an impression, just a sense on the inside when we were moving here to plant the church, not sure if this would work. We were just so concerned about our kids, both of them, the one and my favorite as well, both of them. And <laughs> one of them is in this room right now. We just, God, what, are you, what about our kids? New school, new environment, new community, a community that doesn't even exist yet. And God just spoke so clearly to Megan, hey, your kids are my kids. And I got them too. So we hold to that promise. What are the promises that God's given you? Well, Pastor Kerry, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can remember a promise. I don't know if I can, I can actually think of one that happened. Well, I just gave you one. You're his favorite, so start there. So when you get to work and your boss is yelling at you, whoa, 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 I'm God's favorite. Be careful. <laughs> when your husband gets snarky, whoa, 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 whoa. God's favorite. Start there, right? <laughs> then the story begins to catch some reality, right? Like waking up from a dream and this moment that had to have been overwhelming, the angel of the Lord shows up. An angel doesn't show up, and you're like, is that an angel? <laughs> I'm not really sure. Like You're like, oh, tremble, wet yourself probably. <laughs> I would. And this, Bible says the angel of the Lord, which means he embodies the presence of God. So there would be this overwhelming sense of both Fear, but a holy fear, right? To fear the Lord and peace. God has an ability to do conundrums in our world. Overwhelming sense of both fear and peace. So the angel shows up and is speaking to Mary, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> reality. What? And look at what happens in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Since I am still a virgin, how will this be? Isn't that always our first response? 
And you're like, I'm not a virgin. I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking about how <laughs> will <laughs> be careful, little ears, what you hear. How will this be? I think, I think our first response is always, or more often than not, I should say, to see our own limitations. Notice she doesn't even say, how do I know you're an angel of the Lord? How do I know this is God's promise for humanity? She didn't even question the promise. Everything clicked. Otherwise, she would have said, wait a minute, bro. Who are you? Why are you in my house? And I'm already betrothed, so get thee behind me, Satan. Right? That's what you would have done if, it was, if you were uncertain if some man appears in your house. Ah! <laughs> Right? Let's just let's not make this a holy moment that we just kind of lose sight of the reality of it. Be throwing candlesticks at him, ah! calling nine one one, insta storing to provide proof for later. Right? She doesn't question the validity of who he is. She doesn't question the validity of the promise. Cindy got the spirit on that one. She she questions herself. Like, how? And I think when, when God speaks, often I wonder if sometimes we silence the voice of God because we only see through limitations. And I think that we can boil the limitations that we see through two different lens, either human logic and reason or our own experiences. And both are valid. Both are a part of how we survive in this life. But God is not limited to human logic and reason or your experience. And I just, I just wonder maybe if some of us today are, are just, how, God? Me? And so for me, it's an encouragement to know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, her first response was that. Not some deified expression of, of course, I am ready. But just like, are you, are you sure? And I just want to encourage you with that. To know it's okay to have a thought like that. But it's not okay to allow that to limit you from being obedient to God's call in your life. Because God never sees us through the limitations of human logic and reason and he never sees us through the limitation of our own experience. He sees us through the lens of Jesus. And that's why he had to be born of a virgin. Because he, at the very instant of his first breath, was a miracle. And that's why you're God's favorite. Because you too are a miracle. And here's the great thing. God has miraculous things in store for you. That's why the story is so significant. Because all throughout it, God weaves the miraculous into the natural as if he knew we would struggle with our own obedience to what he wanted us to do because we would see through limitations. He said, no, 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 I don't see you through what you see. I don't look at the outward experience. I don't look at your past. I don't look at the decisions you've made. I don't look at any of that. I just look through the lens of Jesus. And if he came for you, you can do it. 
And then the angel begins to speak to her. I'm so glad that God isn't limited by our limitations. He speaks to her and he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this and, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So in other words, he says, look, God's going to do this thing. And let me just tell you also, you know, your cousin Elizabeth, who's very old and she couldn't have kids. She's also pregnant and God's doing something to prepare a way for the Messiah. So just a little proof for you, because I know that you still have a hard time believing. But don't worry, God has got this. And look at how he says this for nothing is impossible with God. And what you may not know is this is echoing the same proclamation that God spoke to Abraham hundreds of years early and are in reference to Abraham's wife getting pregnant. And he says, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? So he follows up this promise with a declaration that nothing is impossible with God. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? He told Abraham thousands of years before this that by this time next year, your wife Sarah will be pregnant. He's telling Mary, hey, your cousin who shouldn't be pregnant, she's been barren. She's wanted a kid forever and it just hasn't worked out, but now she's pregnant and you too, Mary, will be. Why? Because God is doing something in you. And I just wonder what impossible situation do you need to speak to today? What is the situation that presents itself before you that literally seems impossible? The scripture says, with God, all things are possible. What's the impossibility in your world? Maybe it's a relationship that has been broken and fragmented for longer than you can remember. So long you can't even remember why it's broken and fragmented, but you're just desperate for it to work again. Nothing is impossible. Maybe you feel like that woman Sarah and Mary's cousin Elizabeth who were desperate to be pregnant and you've been working desperately to make it happen but it just hasn't and you've been to doctors and you've spent money and it seems like it's just not going to work. For God, all things are possible. I'll never forget we had a young woman who her and her husband were a part of our church in the first couple of years and they tried desperately to get pregnant for three years, three years, three years, three years. Just, God, what are you going to do? Spending money and going to doctors and checking tests and doing everything that they knew to do. And every month was a reminder, man, I'm not pregnant again. And after five, six, eight, 18 months, 24 months, it's really challenging to find a hope in that hopeless scenario. And yet God, through just amazing miracles, reminded them. In fact, I'll never forget it. It was a movement night in December, two years ago, I believe. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke something to me, again, in an impression. And I just, just prayed for him. And I just, man, I felt like you got this discouraging season of writing your Christmas cards this year, Kristen. Because you're not talking about a child who's with you or pregnant to be, but I just really believe that next year the Christmas cards are going to look different. And did you know that literally three months later they got pregnant? And the next Christmas card, the next year they held up a sign with the name of their son, we're pregnant, and that baby boy is healthy and probably one of the most gorgeous babies 
today. Come on, can we give God a hand clap? That wasn't in my notes, but I just want to remind you, there might be an impossible scenario before you, but maybe it's time to speak to that impossibility. As we near our belief card at the end of the year, maybe it's time to start kick-starting that faith again. I love how Mary's response is at the end of this, and I think probably something that should echo inside of us. Verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In other words, she said, okay, I'm going to be obedient. Now, remember, she was betrothed, and there was a punishment for breaking that betrothal, and that could have been death. At the very least, it would have been complete shame. She would have had to leave her village and her family because of this. Oh, sure, it's an immaculate conception. Right. You're tracking with me. So she knew the cost was great. But what does she say in that verse? Let it be to me according to your word. When the Lord speaks to you, what will be your response? What will be your response? Do you trust him enough to be obedient? Spurgeon said, faith and obedience are bound up in the same bundle. He that obeys God trusts God, and he that trusts God obeys God. The fourth century ancient Athenian orator Demosthenes, it's a hard one to say, famous orator in the fourth century in ancient Greece, was asked, what's the first part of an orator, and what is the second and then the third in other words, what is it that makes you such a great orator? And he answered, action. The same I may say if anyone should ask me what is the first, the second, and the third part of a Christian. And the answer must be action. Maybe some of you are here today and you're just like, I, I just want God to move. I'm praying for the miraculous and I want him to do something in my life where I'm believing that he's going to revive something that was dead and bring something to life that was not. And I'm just waiting on God. And I just want you to know that another great theologian said that a revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. I just have this question for you. And I feel like the story beckons it from us. And that is when God speaks to you, what will be your response? I love the response of Mary. Let it be to me according to your word. I propose to you and to me today that we resolve in our heart now to simply be obedient. How many would say, you know what, I really want to hear God speak to me in my life. Would you raise your hand? Awesome. And my challenge is when he does, be obedient. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me pray for us today as we're rapidly running out of time. God, I thank you that this story is a reminder that you're speaking to us, that you're moving in and through us, that you have great plans for us, God, and that we're your favorites. You, you, you literally parted the skies and you called us your favorite. Lord, I thank you that you, you care enough to help this story become a reality for us. And I thank you, God, that you... You're still speaking to us today, and often that feels like an impossibility. And, but God, I know that you want to speak to us, that you have great plans for us. 
great plans to do in and through us. So God, today we purpose in our hearts that when you speak, we'll be obedient. We open our hearts and our ears to hear and receive whatever it is you want to say and do. And we speak to the impossible situations. And God, I pray that you would do what only you can do. Be God and do the miraculous. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, before we go, I want to just give you an opportunity to start this journey. We do this every week unashamedly. There's a beginning point with God. It's not church membership. It's not perfect attendance. It's not thinking good thoughts or putting out good vibes. It's simply saying yes to Jesus. And in a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It's just saying, you know what? I've been trying to steer this ship or drive this car for so long, and it's just not working. So I'm going to just surrender that to you, God, and let you do what you want to do. And I want to pray a prayer. And right where you're seated in the quietness of your own heart with no embarrassment, you don't have to get out of your seat at all. I just want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. If that's you and you've never prayed this prayer, today is your day. And if you're here today and you've been running from God, Today's the day to come running back. Would you pray this with me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. That I'm your favorite. But I'm not perfect, God. So would you forgive me? Now just make this statement your own. Nobody looking around. Nobody moving. Let this be a holy moment just between you and God. Just make this statement your own. Say, Jesus... I give you my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.